morning, everybody, and welcome <laughs> to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football, presented by John Donovan and the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Jerry Hamilton. Bobby won't be with us today. He will be back later. But, Jerry, let's just get right into it. Texas, of course, beats BYU. They remain number seven in the poll. Kansas State is the next opponent, which that game will be Saturday at 11 a.m., Fox Big Noon kickoff. Sark, of course, press conference at 11. What are some of the main takeaways you're hoping to hear as Sark takes the mic here in just a few hours? Yeah, I think the big thing for me uh, is kind of him previewing Kansas State, but I'm interested in the health of Jalen Catalan this week. Uh, you know, obviously he's been out the last couple of games. Uh, this is a game Texas could really use Jalen Catalan, so hopefully uh, he's able to give it a go this week. Uh, Kansas State's going to present different issues uh, different situations and uh, uh, for Texas there. And I, I think Jalen Catalan could be huge in this game if he's able to give it a go uh, because the, Kansas State's going to present a couple of different quarterback run game scenarios for Texas. One very athletic guy on the outside, Avery Johnson. And then Will Howard, an experienced guy, who they'll run him outside as well, but just an experienced quarterback. Uh, but I, I mentioned just here the health of the Texas team, which Texas came out of Saturday in a good spot. But now it's – I don't expect Ethan Burke back this week. We don't expect Quinn Ewers back this week. Jalen Catalan, though, is the one I, I'm interested to see uh, if anybody specifically asked Sark about in the press conference. But, yeah, huge game coming up Saturday. I mean, this is – this is look, this is where it's at. The so, We're going to talk about it, Blake, but the top six teams in the Big 12 standings all play each other Saturday. So this Big 12 race starts to shake out this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State – Kansas State at Texas, and then Kansas at Iowa State. Uh, so huge game for Texas. Look, I, I have some thoughts on Kansas State we'll get into. We're going to take a lot of questions today. Um, you know, you know, one of the things I, I'm very interested in with Kansas State, and, and they, they're ranked, if you look at college football stats, they're ranked, what, what 17th in, in, in defense as far as giving points given up, 47th in total defense. Um they have not played good offensive teams, though. I, I, I think they haven't played good defensive teams either. That, that, that's the uh, they play good offensive teams. They have not played good defensive teams. The average ranking in total defense for Kansas State's Power Five opponents is eighty point five. So eighty first in the country uh, is what they've kind of gone up against defensively. So Kansas State has not played a defense like Texas is athletic with as much size as Texas has. So I'm I'm very interested early on to see how Kansas State does against this Texas defense because they haven't faced anything like it. Where on the flip side, Texas has faced Alabama. Uh, they faced a highly ranked defense. Uh, the other interesting thing with Kansas State, which we'll get into, I think Texas can run the football in Kansas State. Kansas State, they're athletic, but they're small in their three-man front. It's not a big three-man front. Is this the game where Texas size advantage actually has a chance to uh, be a major player? We'll see. Those guys are quick. They're going to attack Hayden Condor. They're going to attack uh, in between. They're going to attack that gap between Jake Majors and Hayden Connor at times. But this is not a big defense. This is a defense that has been run on successfully, and I think Texas can run the football on them successfully. But we all know Kansas State's going to make Malik Murphy. Uh, beat them at the end of the day. Kansas State's going to load the box, do whatever they have to. Uh, they're going to try to make a, a first time, a first year quarterback that's in his second start. Uh, they're going to try to make Malik Murphy beat them Saturday. 
No doubt about it, Jerry. And as you said, talking about the the rest of the Big 12 as well, uh, all the top teams, of course, play each other. And before we get into that part of it, though, I wanted to bring up, if I can here, give me just one second, if you'll bear with me, uh, bring up the scoreboard from the Big 12 this week. And was there anything that was surprising to you? And I'm going to adjust this real quick. My apologies, guys. Uh, But was there anything that was surprising to you, you know, from this weekend? Without, you know, I don't think so. I mean, look, Iowa State's playing pretty good football. Um, Matt Campbell's a really good football coach. I mean, the fact that he's got this team where they're at right now after all the losses in the offseason to the gambling issues. If they turn around and beat Kansas Saturday, I mean, God, what a, you just got to tip your cap to Matt Campbell at that point. Obviously, Kansas beating Oklahoma was the story in the Big 12. Um, and, and it was interesting watching a little bit of that game, obviously while, uh, you know, the Texas game was on. So we're getting prepped up for that Texas game, but the fact that late in the fourth quarter can uh, Oklahoma had rushed it 55 times and only thrown 13 passes. And is it because Dylan Gabriel may not have big hands? It's raining. It's cold. I don't know. The guy's played a lot of college football though. Now he played most of it in the state of Florida. He hadn't played a lot of cold weather games. Uh, but it's interesting to see, does Dylan Gabriel have a, a, a health issue? Does Danny Stutzman, what is his status this week for Oklahoma State? Um, those are two big questions that Oklahoma is going to have to answer. And look, at the end of that Texas game, the one thing that happened at the end of that Texas game in that fourth quarter when Oklahoma beat Texas, they lost Andrew Anthony for the year. And McCade Medauer, the right guard, I'm not sure if he's going to be back this year. They had, If they had two season-ending injuries, that impacts you because that was just midway through the season. Um, now, what's Danny Stutzman's status? Does Dylan Gabriel have a little issue that no, that they're not talking about right now? Or was it simply he doesn't have big hands and it was cold weather? I find that hard to believe, but it's possible. Uh, so really, obviously, uh, the Kansas win over Oklahoma, and now Oklahoma has to return back to the road. Last Bedlam game. I mean, in Stillwater, I'm guessing that's going to be the craziest Oklahoma State crowd of all time Saturday Oklahoma's walking into, of all time. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And, in fact, we just had a a comment I wanted to bring up real quick from Christopher Weatherford, and he said uh, Oklahoma State's on a roll and could run the football. OU could get a second dose this weekend. Yeah, uh, Ollie Gordon is is obviously he's ascending to be one of the top young running backs in college football. I think he had, what, 282 yards a couple of games ago. Um, Oklahoma State is on a roll. That is for sure. They are ranked 38th uh, in the country offensively, 99th defensively, though. Is Oklahoma State going to slow down Oklahoma enough in that game? Uh, That's going to be the question. I think if Oklahoma State successfully runs it, then maybe they can choke the clock a little bit on Oklahoma, but they're going to have to keep Oklahoma's uh, offense off the field, in, in my estimation, because they're, Oklahoma State's just not good enough defensively against a high-powered offense. I think that's the you know look. I think that's the other thing with the Kansas State game, Blake. And we're going to talk a lot about this. The blueprint that Wyoming brought to Austin is, I believe, 100% how you're going to see Kansas State attack Texas this week. Um, and you're going to see them try to choke the clock, run the ball from both both running backs. Giddens is the bigger back. Ward is the smaller, quicker back. Quarterback run games produce 535 yards. The two backs, two backs have gone 203 carries for 1180 yards. So let's make no mistake. This is going to be a game where Kansas State's going to run, 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 try to stay ahead of the chains. They are fourth, third in the country 
and third down conversion rate at 56.4%. The only way you're 56.4% is if you have a bunch of third and shorts and uh, over the course of the season. So I think we know what Kansas State's going to do against Texas. It's not like, okay, they will attack with Phillip Brooks to Texas safeties when they can get their matchups. But this isn't a game Kansas State's going to go in and say, oh, we can throw it all over the, we can throw it all over Texas. No, no, no. That's not how this game's going to go. Kansas State is going to take that Wyoming blueprint with more quarterback run game stuff and try to choke that clock, keep their defense fresh, keep Texas offense off the field, um, and really condense this game and hope, and in their estimation, they'll hopefully win it with physicality in the run game. And as you said, we'll get into more of that Kansas State stuff here in just a little bit, and we'll field all your questions. So definitely, please get them in. But Jerry, one thing I wanted to come back to: you said at the beginning of the broadcast that the top teams are going to play themselves uh, this this weekend in the Big Twelve. So huge, huge weekend in the conference race, especially not just for Texas, but for for all of those teams. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, look, it, it, it's a it's a big, really big game for Kansas this weekend, too. It's a huge game for Kansas State and Texas, right? It's a big game for Kansas, though, because if they can go in and win at Iowa State, look, they still have Kansas State at home. If if they can beat, if they can win at Iowa State this weekend, they're still in that thing. Uh, they're one of the two lost teams that's still in it. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Kansas State ends this re- regular season at Kansas and Iowa State at home. So they have Texas this weekend. They have they have three tough games coming up, especially when you consider at Kansas and then that Iowa State defense, even though it's in Manhattan. Uh, but it's a huge weekend in the Big 12. A lot's going to shake out. And that I think this is a huge – everybody's talking from a Texas uh, side. This is a huge test for the Longhorns. I think, it, I think it is, obviously. I think it's a bigger test for Kansas State, though. Kansas State's been on the road three times uh, this year. They've lost two of them. They lost to Missouri 30-27. They could not stop Missouri's passing attack. Uh, Missouri passed for 356 yards. Now, they'd have to hit a 61-yard field goal to win the game. Then they lost in Stillwater to Oklahoma State. And that's the one game I look at for Texas. Uh, Oklahoma State effectively ran the football. Howard had three interceptions for Kansas State. He also had an interception at Missouri. So he's thrown four interceptions and two road losses this year. But Oklahoma State ran the ball effectively on Kansas State. And Ollie Gordon's a big back, a future NFL back. But Texas has multiple future NFL running backs. So I think I I see a path here for Texas that maybe coming out of BYU, people are like, okay, Kansas State's playing really well. Is it, they're getting better. Is Texas getting better right now? So I think a lot of people are automatically picking Kansas State to win the game. I, I'm 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 not so sure on that. Let's see what happens because Kansas State is not as tested as Texas is now. People are going to look at the TCU and the U of H games at home and say they're on a roll. And, and I and I don't disagree with them that they're on a roll. But look, TCU 79th in the nation in total defense. University of Houston's 102nd in the nation in total defense. And going into that uh, Kansas State U of H game, we said on here. I said on here. Uh, Kansas State was going to run the ball down U of H's throat. And, and, and that's exactly what happened in that game. So it, this is a big test for Kansas State, though, because Texas is easily the most talented team they've played, and they're playing that team on the road, and, they, and they're coming in with a lot of confidence. But where are they truly at defensively? We're going to find out Saturday against the run. Well, of course, big weekend coming up in the Big 12, but there was also some uh, – 
couple of other games that have had some big recruiting implications when it comes to the Longhorns, Jerry. And I was going to let you talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, I think I think there's um look the 2024 class, the Hayes pretty much in the barn, unless your team is struggling. Uh AM goes to Ole Miss this week. It's a big game for AM. Look, they beat South Carolina uh last weekend. Uh, but you know, they're going they're going to the Grove this week. And that if you're AM, there's you've had a couple of big decommitments. Weston Davis flips to LSU. LSU's the benefactor of AM struggles, obviously, in questions. Uh, surrounding AM's future, the direction of the program, let's call it recruiting. Draylon Miller decommits. He's probably headed to LSU. I know USC is going to try, uh, but that, the, that was too far for the family the first go around. Uh, but, you know, you get into this situation where if AM loses this weekend, it's, there's ju- it's just going to be negative, 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 negative. All these kids here is negativity. And that's where recruit, keeping a recruiting class together gets very difficult for a coaching staff because then they start having to ask answer questions that they really don't. They get asked questions they don't have answers for, and that's where recruit keeping a recruiting class together becomes very difficult. Obviously, LSU at Alabama, and it, I, this is a big game for LSU because look. LSU beat Bama last year in Baton Rouge. If Brian Kelly has had some struggles early, if he go, they're starting to play a little better. They're not, they're not good on defensively, but they're defense, but they're tremendous on offense, ranked number one in the country on offense. If they go in and win at Alabama, then Brian Kelly's two and zero against Alabama, and you recruiting in Louisiana, recruiting against LSU, it becomes a little more difficult there. So that's a huge game this weekend for LSU. Obviously. If Alabama wins, it's just business as usual, right? I mean, what's Nick's career record against LSU? All and That's going to be the marquee recruiting game in the country, by the way. College game day is going to be there. Alabama has Solomon Williams and a bunch of other guys at that game. You know Ryan Williams, some of those guys committed to Alabama. Uh, Antonio Coleman out of Saralanda, 25. They're all going to be at that game more than likely. Uh, but that's a huge game in recruiting for LSU because if – if Brian Kelly starts 2-0 against Nick Saban, that's 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 a pretty good song to sing in recruiting. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, hey, Jerry, before we move on, I know, uh, we, you know we've been talking about games, but one game I wanted to bring up, because we've had a couple of comments on it, is that Duncanville-DeSoto game. And, yeah. You know, Friday night, uh, it got rained out. They moved it to Saturday. At, I think it was, started playing about 1 o'clock or so. But were you surprised, as everybody else, by the outcome of that? I was surprised. I mean, look, that's just – I didn't see – that coming uh, from DeSoto, um, and, and not to say they're not a good team, but the way that game went, how many points they put up on Duncanville, that's wow. a, a true – I've had a chance to watch the game. Obviously, Texas played, um, but uh, that was a true wake-up call for Duncanville. I mean, they <laughs> one player, Keelan Adams, had six sacks against them. I mean, I, that's so rare, I can't even tell you. And I did watch some of those highlights. Bobby, Bobby uh, sent some highlights of that of the Keelan Adams kid. One, maybe what were they asking uh, Duncanville to pull in some pass protection situations against a 6'2", 200-pound kid that's blurring off the edge in that game. Uh, He had a real quickness advantage in that game, and they kept getting him in favorable matchups against Duncanville offensive line, which did not look good in pass protection in the clips I saw. Look, In fact, they looked bad. Um, So that's very interesting, but that's a huge wake-up call for Duncanville. 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see how they respond because they're clearly the most talented team in the state, uh, but they no longer have the claim as oh, we are the best team in the state. Now they're going to have to go win seven games in a row and prove it. Yeah, I think I think everybody that follows high school football across the state of Texas was just shocked by that one and just how much the the score differential was between the two. I mean, it's not like it was huge, but at the same time, it wasn't a one or two point win in the final seconds either. You know, so that's pretty crazy. But all right, Jerry, well, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, John is a proud University of Texas graduate and shares his Longhorn passion with his wife and six siblings, all of whom are University of Texas graduates. John is a certified financial planner who has spent over 30 years providing investment, insurance, retirement, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. John has served 14 years as a Dallas, Texas X's board member, and his love for University of Texas is why he chose to de dedicate his firm to serving his fellow University of Texas alumni and University of Texas employees. This is Halloween week. While many of you may find dealing with your personal or business financial manners to be a haunting experience, Longhorn Wealth Management Group can take all of the mystery and fear out of the process by helping you truly understand, analyze, and select the right financial solutions for you, your family, and your business. So treat yourself to a 90-minute free consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you develop and secure the financial future for you and your loved ones. Just give John Donovan and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. And we want to thank them for sponsoring Coffee and Football every Monday morning right here on On Texas Football. And Jerry, before we get into you know more of the team-related stuff, Kansas State, all that, uh, let's talk about recruiting for a moment because yeah. we're getting lots of questions. And I know I know you'll have a thread about this later on, but just off the top of your head, uh, Champ Bailey three says, any big-time recruits coming to DKR for the Kansas State game? Well, we'll have to see on that because the, the, the issue Texas is going to have on that is it's 11 a.m. game. So if you're trying, like a TJ Lindsay is a maybe. He told me he was a maybe for that game, the Auburn commitment out of IMG. But that's a tough ask at 11 a.m. game. If it had been at 2.30 game, if it had been a night game, much easier to get those kids to a game. If you have a Friday night game, unless you're close, uh, it, it's tough to make those 11 a.m. kicks. Uh, and Texas really doesn't target getting those kids in. I can tell you Xavier feel same out of McKinney, the five-star safety, who was a maybe last week. And again, McKinney game got delayed. Uh, his father had some work stuff Saturday. He's scheduled to be at USC Saturday. Uh, what you're going to see, I think, with Texas is try to work these kids to get these kids on campus after the you know after the regular season's over before December for a practice one day after their high school seasons are over, I should say. So that 11 a.m. kick is going to make it a little is going to make it a little more difficult on Texas to get guys in, especially from out of state. Yeah, for sure. And somebody, somebody asked KJ Lacey was at the game. Ryan Williams was not at the game with KJ Lacey. KJ Lacey flew in Saturday morning, flew back Sunday evening. Uh, Ryan Williams did not make that trip with him. And then we'll go. Speaking of the BYU game, King Me says, "Is there was there any positive feedback from recruits at the BYU game? Any of note?" Look, look I spoke to John Turntine the third, the uh, the uh, 2026 offensive lineman who was offered by Texas. Now, I, I like talking to kids like that because it was their first trip ever to Texas, right? So what were his impressions? If a kid's been to Texas four or five times, um, he just – so he learned about the facility. He saw the campus. 
uh, the energy of the Texas crowd, just the energy around the University of Texas on a game day weekend. Uh, and he's a 15-year-old kid, so he's very impressionable, even though he's a very smart kid, maybe the valedictorian at North Crowley. Uh, but he had great things to say about Texas, his initial meeting uh, in conversation with uh, Kyle Flood, Steve Sarkeesian. And the reason I don't – I really bring up a 2026 prospect. I bring him up because he, he may be as good as there is in the country in that class. He's as good as there is on the offensive line in the country, period, as a prospect, regardless of classification. So the feedback was good. It's a 35-6 win. They, kids look at it so different than the fan base does. We're sitting here breaking down two out of five in the red zone and what's gone wrong. Um, you know, the kids may have some football thoughts, but they're, they're, they have a much bigger picture when they go to these games from a recruit standpoint. Uh, they're looking at the crowd. They're looking at the interaction with the players and the coaches. They're looking at so many other things, conversations with another recruit in the stands. You know, what do you think about this school? What do you think about that school? It's so different from – for, for kids versus fans that it, look, Texas is seven and one. They're ranked top 10 in the country. There really isn't, there really isn't any negative right now on the recruiting front. As far as kids, what they're saying about Texas, you look at a kid like Xavier, Phil same, he's watching Texas and saying, I have a chance to come in and play early at safety at Texas. That's the difference. Tech, we're, we're sitting there saying what's wrong with the Texas safeties. He's saying, that's why I'm considering this offer. And that's why I'm talking to Blake Gideon and Sark because Man, there's an early path to playing time, an instant one there for an early enrollee at safety. So kids just look at it different than the fans. And then kind of along those same lines, Jerry, and we'll do a couple more recruiting questions here. Mixed with Jerry says, does a team win hold more weight with recruits compared to the stats of the players playing their position with the team currently? Yeah, I think the I think the wins help. But, you know, stats of players, okay. So I, I it, it, I'm going to say this is what some people are getting at people was Ryan Wingo going to go to Texas if John Tay Cook wasn't playing as much, right? A five-star freshman receiver not getting on the field much. Um, could that affect the recruitment of Ryan Wingo? In the NIL day and age, I, I just don't think so, guys. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm some of this we're learning as we go in the NIL day and age, right? I've, I've been wrong, been right a lot, been wrong some in this. Um, but look, there was, there was some chatter that might affect Texas. It didn't end up having an effect. On Texas, because Orion Wingo sees A.D. Mitchell's going to go pro after this year. Oh, I can fit into that role right there. And maybe on the inside, I think I'm a better player than him long term. I just think that these kids look at this differently, um, so differently nowadays. And then sticking with recruiting just a little bit more, E. Kim wants you to look into the future. And he says, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. What's the better prospect group from Texas in 25, offensive line or defensive line? Offensive line due to depth in Texas in 2025. I mean, I, look, I was at Lufkin last week, Thursday. Zion Williams, a really good point of attack defensive lineman. I was at Mansfield Timberview Tuesday. Dylan Battle, another one. Those two guys really have a chance as D linemen, interior defensive linemen. But the depth of offensive line in 2025 class makes it better. Now, that doesn't just count Texas, though. That counts all the schools that recruit Texas, all those schools that Texas battles for with offensive linemen. There's going to be more national teams coming in for offensive linemen than defensive linemen in 2025. And then we'll do one more recruiting question for right now, Jerry. Then we'll get to some team stuff. Space City Wrangler says that's a bad, bad feeling over in College Station. What's up with Ty Anthony Smith? What about other current Aggie commits? Any looking elsewhere? Give us the goods, Jerry. I love Aggie misery. <laughs> well, um, look, we'll see what happens with Ty Anthony Smith. He's remains. He's been one kid that's 
you know, he's remained solid. He's remained solid. He stays in contact. LSU, Oklahoma, obviously outside of Texas, TCU, they're all still trying to get Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, that's He's one where if the AM class falls apart, he's more susceptible. He stayed stronger with his commitment than obviously Draylon Miller or Weston Davis did. That doesn't mean it couldn't change this weekend. Uh, but I think the best case scenario for Texas fans is AM goes seven and five. Because then what does AM do? I mean, it, everybody's been out oh, of the fire Jimbo, the fire Jimbo. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But if they're seven and five and they keep Jimbo, that's probably the best recruiting scenario for Texas because there's going to be questions about direction of the program with these kids in that class. And uh, w- what am I getting myself into? And it won't be a lot of positivity uh, from recruits coming out of College Station about their team uh, for, with that fan base. That's where it gets interesting. I will say with Dominic McKinley, Texas has invited him up for the Kansas State game. We'll see uh, if the family makes that trip uh, Saturday to Austin or not. They did not go to the AM South Carolina game. They did not go to the Texas game Saturday. Uh, they had some stuff back home in Lafayette. Very interesting. It will be interesting to see what unfolds there. All right. Well, you talked about Wyoming giving the blueprint for other teams when it comes to Texas. But UT Parking has a or a comment about another blueprint. And yep. he says, Ollie Gordon rushed for 130 yards okay. on Kansas State, six and a half yards per carry. Feed the running backs versus the Wildcats. Don't overthink it. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I, I it'll be interesting to see. It's just not in Sark's DNA necessarily. But this is a game I'd go run heavy. I would go run heavy, and I would try to keep the Kansas State offense off the field because you know what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to choke the clock. Uh, so if, if I'm if I'm Texas, I'm going to turn that around on them a little bit because, look, here's the reality is if Texas – if with a healthy Quinn, and I'm not saying Malik can't have success, but you're talking a guy that started a lot of games versus a guy that started one, and that does matter. Um, and Quinn was having a really good season. Uh, Texas was, you know, they were averaging over 280 yards passing per game with Quinn. Kansas State uh, does, they give up passing yards. They're 73rd in the country, uh, they, 70th in the country. They give up 236 passing yards a game, right? But I, I just think Texas can have success running the football against their three-man front, their smaller three-man front. And I think Oklahoma State kind of showed a little bit of a blueprint there. Some teams have had success running the ball against Kansas State. They just haven't possessed the ball enough to put up big numbers. So you might look at a box score and say, well, this team only rushed for 130 yards. Yeah, but the flip side was Kansas State rushed it 55 times, so that team didn't have the football. If Texas possesses the football enough, I think they can actually have a big day rushing the football against Kansas State. I can I can see it happening. I agree. But you know, Malik Murphy has got to protect the football Saturday. And I, I'm glad you said Malik Murphy because this uh, comment from Chris Bacon here, he says, good thing Murphy's first start was against BYU instead of K-State. A game under his belt will help him next week. How big do you think it was for him to have more of an easier opponent as opposed, you know, as opposed to facing Kansas State right off the bat? Huge. And this is why I think it was huge for Malik. Uh, If you're a first-time starting quarterback to play against BYU versus a team like Kansas State, BYU couldn't overwhelm you with athleticism. So the game, even though it was moving very fast for him, and he played, he had a good first game, but he played off his back foot way too much against a quality opponent. I'm just here to tell you that's not going to work against a quality opponent. You cannot play off your back foot that much as a quarterback unless you're really under duress. 
Um, but since he played against a team that wasn't athletically equal, that enabled, I thought that was big for him. It enabled him to get in the game and be a little more comfortable. If his first start was against a team that was just going to, could bring the house and get to him and put him under constant duress, I think that 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 changes your eyesight. That changes your comfort level. I think BYU being not that athletic gave him a chance to settle in more as the game went on. And I think it's huge uh, it, for game two against Kansas State that he played against the Power Five opponents. Not the ideal place to start your first college game. Um, most of the time, you know, Quinn's first starts against UL Monroe. You get it out of your system, a game you know you're going to win. Um, but coming back against Kansas State, they're better athletes. They're quicker athletes. So when he sees or feels that rush, those guys are going to get to him faster next weekend if the, if, if the offensive line has any protection issues. But I think it was huge for him to play against BYU because they couldn't overwhelm him athletically in his first time as a starter. Now, you mentioned the offensive line, so let's talk about that for a second. Rick Serda, he asked, what is going on with goal line blocking? It seems like the offensive line can't block very well on the goal line. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, I think center left guard, just they're having push issues. I think Jake Major's a very improved player, by the way. Look, he's not 100% healthy. He's battling through an ankle. Um, but I, I just think it's a lot, some push issues. I, I, I wonder... I I thought I think it'd just be funny and interesting if Sart just came out against Kansas State the first time he gets inside the three yard line and just goes spread formation with wider splits and Savion Red uh, empty in the backfield in the Red Cat. At one, it would cause K State to call a timeout, and two, it just presents a different look. And how does Kansas State? What does Kansas State show you defensively in a look like that? Because Texas has gone to, I call it super bunch formation, right? But what, they haven't tried to spread anybody out within the Red Cat. Because at that point, Savion Red, he's he played high school quarterback in the spread game. It's not foreign to him if he sees it. And on the goal line, you know, that gives him the ability to work more in space, make one guy miss, or break one tackle and dive to the end zone. I just, I'm interested to see what would happen if Sark came out in a spread uh, in the red cat. I, I think, I think Texas might have some success there. <laughs> well, we talked about goal line situations. Let's back it up a little bit to the red zone. Jason says, good morning on Texas football family from Fort Worth. Why does our offense continue to struggle in the red zone and short yardage? And why are our defensive backs playing so far off in short yardage? Hook on yeah, I think uh, we kind of went over that in uh, red zone short yards from an offensive line perspective. Um, look, I mean, is it, I think there's a – I mean, Sark said at his press conference, it's frustrating. He said, I'm not going to lie. I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't very frustrating. I think there's a level of frustration there, and I think that the Texas staff is trying to find things that they think can work for them. They want – look, they, they recruit large humans. They want to just be able to line up. And from the one yard line, just push people off the off the ball, right? That's what they ideally want to do. They're headed to the SEC. They know that's what they ideally need to do. They've got to keep working to get to that point for sure. But this season, what are you going to do? Because you have K-State this weekend. You have two road games. And I don't care if TCU isn't that good on defense or not. It's a road game. And they're going to be fired up to play. Iowa State is very good defensively. And then you have Tech at home, who's okay defensively. 
Uh, so you're, you're going to have more of these situations where you are in the inside the five yard line. And what are you going to do to score the football? What are you going to do to punch the ball in? Um, so I think they're searching. And I think that's the tough thing right now is Texas is clearly searching in the red zone and they don't have the answers right now. So if they don't have the answers, we don't have the answers. I do wonder about going just spread empty with Savion Red and the Red Cat around the one, two yard line. I, I, I have a feeling Texas might find success with that if they want, if, if they go that route. And then we have another question kind of regarding the same subject. This one from Arch Mania. He says, how much does Malik's ability set the offensive line coverages? He missed a couple of plays Saturday where BYU had a free edge rusher, which caused the fumble. You know, Sark talked about that in his press conference a little bit. Maybe just, you know, the communication issue. Just I think things were moving a little quick for Malik, right? It was his first start, though. Um, it was his first start. I think this game, two is where you're going to see improvements there for Texas. Uh, assuming Malik is the starting quarterback again, which I believe he will be. I don't I don't see Quinn playing. We'll see what Sark has to say about that uh, here in about three hours. But I think that's one of the issues that Malik will be most improved from game one to game two, like any quarterback is. Everything moves so fast pre-snap, right, that now you can kind of calm it down, slow it down a little bit more, better communication, better timing. Uh, so I think that's one of those natural game one to game two scenarios um, but I think the biggest thing, look, for, for Malik uh, is is the one thing I, I noticed game one that he's got to improve game two. You cannot play off your back foot at that position that much because as the as, as the talent becomes more neutralized, you know, you almost do that. You almost throw a pick six. Right. There's a couple of balls, you know, that that those could be issues against a better opponent. And I'm not saying K-State for sure is going to be that opponent. But it's a great week for Sark with Malik. Hey, Malik, you did these things well. Really good job. You brought great energy. This RPO throw to Adonai Mitchell is as good of an RPO throw as a quarterback can make. Boom, boom, boom. But also, you got you can't pull off your back foot this much. You know that that's the one thing that he's going to tell him because it doesn't matter how much arm strength you have if you play off your back foot, that arm strength's negated. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right, Jerry. And then while we're on the subject of Malik, still we got a couple more questions. Which William Neese says, "Was Murphy trying to put too much touch on those deep passes?" No, I don't think so. I, I just think, uh, look, I think they're, um, I, I, I think people just think throwing the ball down the field. Everybody's Jeff Blake, right? I mean, that's Malik's first game action since his senior year in high school. Throwing the ball deep. The spring game against walk-ons doesn't count for me. This was his first real game action. Look, the throw to A.D. Mitchell where the BYU, uh, the touchdown pass to A.D. Mitchell where the B BYU safety got turned around, 
Um, he had a little pressure coming off his left, in his left peripheral. So it caused him to not truly step into that throw a little bit. So I think it got that ball got a little high on him on the deep ball, but he still had enough arm strength to get it to the spot where A.D. Mitchell could make a play on it. But that was from the the, the uh, pressure in the left side of his uh, peripheral. He knew he couldn't truly step into that throw. I, I thought he threw the ball deep pretty pretty well, considering uh, one of those passes was he did feel the pressure coming. All right. And then uh, this question here kind of makes me laugh. Bevo78 says, why does Sark always start the game with a sideways pass? Every game first play is a sideways pass for no gain or loss because every team knows and they are all over it. Yeah. I mean, look, here's the reality. Texas has played, what, eight games this year? Um, uh, six passes. Uh, he's won, run it one time uh, on the first play of the game. He's run it one time on the second play of the game. And Sark's run it one time on the third play of the game. So, uh, but Sark, look, Sark's transparent. He said in press conferences, we passed to set up the run. So he he's he's put it out there what, to, what he's going to do. Um, and I think Sark likes to get his quarterback comfortable. He's a pass-first guy. He runs it more than he passes traditionally. Obviously, most coaches do, unless it's Mike Leach and some of those guys. 52% run, 48% pass, I think, over the last four or five years uh, as an OC or head coach. But, he is going to pass to set up the run. He said it in the press conference. You know it's coming. Uh, but, again, uh, th that's where it's been. There's only been one run on first play of the game, one run on second play of the game, one run on third play of the game this season. We'll see if that switches up a little bit against Kansas State. I don't know if we'll, we'll see that, though, because it doesn't fit the script. <laughs> All right, well, let's stay on the quarterbacks for just a minute here. Uh, Emmanuel Villafranco says, do you think that Sark doesn't want to risk all the arch looks better than Murphy chatter. And that's one of the reasons he's not playing arch. Most of us expect arch to come out on top next summer. I just think he's trying to win games. I think the bottom line is uh, he uh, Sark's just trying to win games right now. Um, uh, that's the main thing is he, how did you get to seven and one? How do you get to eight and one? I, I think that's where he's at right now. And then we'll move over to Quinn for a minute. Heoli Frioli 93 says, how important is it for Quinn to be back for the Iowa State game? Look, I think you always want to, I mean, I'm pretty obvious answer. I mean, Quinn's the best quarterback uh, to help Texas win games right now. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He was having a good year. Uh, he's a much improved player from year one to year two. Um, he had delivered in some big games on the road. Um so, look, I think it'd be very important to have him back against Iowa State. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, he's a guy who's – he's played big games on the road. I mean, he play, you know, Texas won a huge game at Alabama. He hasn't – look, everybody points to Oklahoma State. Yeah, everybody has bad games on the road. But he's, he's played in a lot, some games on the road now. He has a lot of experience. And that's the thing when you look ahead to Malik Murphy. The great thing for Malik Murphy, his first two starts are at home. Then you go to the road. At least Iowa State's not your first road start if you're in that situation because Iowa State has a much better defense than TCU. So, and again, it's that flyover defense. Um, but it at least Quinn's had road starts for me, and I do think that's big. Yeah, experience matters, no doubt. Uh, and then Rick here says, do you guys see any scenario at all where Quinn stays another year? Would that benefit him as a player? I do not. I don't. I don't see him staying another year. I, I think Quinn is off to the off to the NFL. Okay. Well, we've talked enough about the Texas quarterbacks, Jerry. So let's go over to Kansas State's quarterback situation. 
Chris Bacon says, is Kansas State running a two-quarterback system with Howard and Johnson rotating? Is it a 50-50 split? Is it 60-40? What should we expect? Um, you know, I don't, I'm not for sure what, what we should expect percentage-wise, breakdown-wise. Uh, Will Howard obviously played a lot more than Avery Johnson against Houston. And, and the thing about Avery Johnson is still a true freshman quarterback. He was an early enrollee, but Kansas State does not want to put the ball in his hands uh, in passing situations that will determine the out outcome of the game. That's not what they want to do with him. Will Howard is going to be the guy in those scenarios, unless Texas just can't stop Avery Johnson when he comes into the game Saturday. Uh, but look, Pat, throwing the ball down the field to Phillip Brooks, the way uh, Kansas State attacked U of H, down the field they attacked Malik Fleming at safety. All right, Texas, you know what's coming. They attacked Malik Fleming. They attacked Malik Fleming. Post, post, corner route. That's who they attacked with Phillip Brooks. Phillip Brooks is an undersized receiver, makes plays on the ball. He's their leading receiver. They don't have a wide receiver core uh, like a Houston, like an Alabama, like a OU. They don't have that talent level at receiver. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. We talked about it last night. Does Texas play a little more man in this game? I think the the immediate answer is yes. But the, the thing that gives you hesitation is, is if Kansas State runs your man corner out of the play, if your linebacker false steps at all, then QB run game outside of tackles becomes a real issue, and Kansas State knows how to run it there. I think we see Will Howard more than Avery Johnson Saturday, um, mm -hmm. but it all is going to come down to how does Texas play against the run. Texas is really good against the run all season. Is this the best rushing team they've seen this season? I would say it is. So that's really where your matchup, I think that's going to dictate how much Will Howard plays versus how much time Avery Johnson gets. If Texas successfully stops the run and, and they force Kansas State to beat them more through the air than Kansas State ideally wants to do, then you're going to see more Howard. And I know you kind of just touched on this, Jerry, but this is a little bit more in-depth. Chris Young says, how do our linebackers match up against KSU's offensive scheme and personnel? So I, I thought what was interesting in the BYU game was Maurice Blackwell had his most active, best game as a linebacker at Texas. And look, he's finally healthy, right? He had a setback to start the season, obviously missed the uh, first third of the season. Uh, but that was his most active game. That's the most snaps he's played at linebacker, I believe, uh, since he's been at Texas. I don't have the PFF numbers, but just the eyeball test, it looked like it. Uh, he has a, I think he has a key role Saturday because – Kansas State, want, they're going to run it outside with their quarterbacks. Um, it, it, and I definitely with Avery Johnson. Um, so you need a guy who's got quickness and can break down in space, make plays, turn that thing back inside uh, to your help defenders. I think Maurice Blackwell has a – he has a big role coming up in this game Saturday. I really believe that against the uh, Kansas State uh, quarterbacks in the run game. Kansas State also, look, with DJ Giddens, they'll run it inside, they'll run it outside. It's a, it, it's a run game that's going to test your linebackers. Who's going to false step? Who's not going to false step? Who's going to read the triangle? Who's not going to read the triangle? Uh, so Texas linebackers are going to have to be really, really disciplined Saturday. They're going to be tested. Hi, guys. You're watching Coffee and Football presented by Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. And this next question, Jerry, is from R. Charnel. He says, based on BYU's schedule and stats, clearly they were a paper tiger. I'm worried a lot about Kansas State, specifically the offensive line giving their quarterback time to pick us apart. Please talk me off the ledge. <laughs> yeah, look, K uh, BYU was uh, their smoke and mirrors five and two team. 
They were the most, uh, you know, they were the worst five and two team in America walking into Austin. And I think they're the worst five and three team in America leaving Austin. If you can't get 300 yards of offense in a Big 12 game against anybody, I mean, they did against Kansas, who's not good defensively, but they haven't had 300 yards of offense against four straight games in the Big 12. You're just not a good team, period. You're opportunistic. I get it. Texas Tech had a third string quarterback, but you want a game at home against Tech with 12 first downs and 277 yards. They're just so bad on offense, um, and they're not athletic enough at, at receiver that they're just not – they've been an opportunistic team. And, hey, look, if, if they go 7-5 and five this year, heck of a season, uh, heck of a job by that coaching staff because they're not very talented. Kansas State is more talented. I don't think Kansas State's as talented as they were last year, though. I thought they lost some key pieces in the secondary. I thought the edge kid was very good in the NFL – Obviously, Deuce Vaughn uh, is a special type of make you miss. I mean, Deuce Vaughn, Bijan Robinson are about as good as you'll see in college football in that capacity. I do think Kansas has more QB run game threat this year with Avery Johnson now mixing in. So they they run it different. I think they run it better. They have uh, the the thing that's has excited me about this matchup all season when you kind of circled this game was the interior to Kansas State offensive line versus the strength of the Texas defense, which is Sweat and which is Murphy and which is Collins. If Kansas State controls those guys and they can run the ball against Texas successfully, then Texas is going to have a tough time because they can Wyoming game plan you with better players. And that's the worst case scenario. Texas absolutely has to stop the run Saturday or slow down the run. The last thing you want to see as a Texas fan Third and three, third and two, third and three, third and two, all the way down the field. That's not a recipe for success in this game uh, against Kansas State. They are too good on third downs because they have a lot of third and shorts. Um, and if they, if, if Kansas State were to walk out of the uh, stadium with 36, 37 minutes of time of possession Saturday, it's probably not good for the Horns. They got to stop the run. And then I think the flip side, uh, Texas has to run the ball effectively and enough to help their defense out and keep them from getting the, cho- the clock choked on them. Hey, Jerry, you mentioned a couple of defensive tackles just a second ago, and I, I don't have the specific questions up, but one person we've been asked about throughout this chat is Trill Carter. Are you hearing anything on him? What's the latest? Yeah, you know, he want, he wasn't healthy early in the season. If people remember that first game of the season uh, when he got in, he was wearing a big knee brace, right? So I think he – has he been 100%? I think he's getting closer to 100%. But, again, those guys have an important role Saturday coming up. I mean, it – Sweat, Murphy, Trill Carter. I mean, I almost wonder if you see Sadir Mitchell for two or three more plays uh, against uh, Kansas State, depending on how successful Kansas State is running the football. Uh, because having that size, having those guys at the point of attack is going to be key Saturday. Uh, obviously, your edge guys have to play really um, – they have to play really good assignment football Saturday in, against the Kansas State run game, especially that quarterback run game. Uh, but I think Trill Carter – Hasn't been 100%, but he's getting closer. You've seen him more uh, as the season's moved along. But the reality is, Tavon Jerry Sweat and Byron Murphy, who are you really going to take off the field in games that matter? Yeah, 100%. All right, we're going to stay on the defense for just a second here. CJ7 says, what are some things that the Texas defense does or can do to confuse opposing quarterbacks? With all of the scouting available, do we bait the opposing offenses into specific specific reads? We seem very reactive. 
Well, yeah, I mean, look, Texas, uh, that's kind of what PK does. It's a, it's a bend, don't break defense. I mean, that's what he does. You know, I think the, the biggest thing that Texas fans have the issue with is a corner's nine yards off on fourth and two, right, against BYU, BYU's only drive they had in that football game. I think that's the thing um, right now that uh, frustrates Texas fans. But the reality is, you know, look, Texas is eighth in the nation in scoring defense, 16 points a game. If Texas can hold Kansas State – uh, to 21, 24 points Saturday, then Texas should win the game unless they turn the ball over a lot uh, offensively. I mean, because I do think Texas is going to move the ball on Kansas State running it. Uh, but what is Texas specifically? I mean, that's quarterback to quarterback. That's, you know, all these quarter, they're different. They have different strengths. They have different weaknesses, right? I mean, if, it, if it's a Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma introduced a QB run game you weren't expecting. He had a career high in rushing attempts and yards, right? Now the teams that play Oklahoma after that get to prepare for that. Uh, so I, I think Oklahoma caught Texas in a really good spot there. If they play again, obviously Dylan Gabriel's not rushing 14 times for 113 yards against Texas. If he does, they have some issues in, in, in Austin. That should not happen again. He's not that level athlete. Um, or, or quarterback in the run game. So it's just different. It, it's Different quarterbacks have different strengths. You can't just say, this is how we're going to defend these guys. It's different week to week. All right, Jerry, this next question here is from Sharpshooter. And he says, as an old guy who has coached and played before the rule changes to allow holding, it seems like many players have never learned the value of a violent coming off the ball strike. Is it not taught anymore? It's a good question. Um, I think it's taught it's just how much is it used, right? I mean, and that, that kind of goes sometimes to how you defend a team. Um, but I agree. I, there's nothing like a violent strike. I mean, the one thing that I look for uh, with young defensive linemen is what does an offensive lineman do? How does he react to your first contact? You know, the kid, the kid Brandon Brown at O'Galley, that 2025 D lineman who I love, he literally jolts guys. You see guys – the offensive linemen do this when they get hit. Their initial movement is, whoa, I'm on my heels. Uh, I have no balance left. I'm in trouble. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, it, I, I don't know. Neto strikes. Somebody says Columbus James Neto strikes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's taught. Um, I think Texas uh, has a couple of guys that need to be a lot more effective at it, and I'm not just talking offensive line. With Jatavion Sanders, I'd love to see him attack a Kansas State defender, like he attacks the ball in the air. I would love to see J JT Sanders attack a K-State defender like he attacks the ball in the air. It would be very welcome. <laughs> All right, Jerry. Well, if you're ready, I'm going to let you tell everybody one more time about John Donovan and the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, John is a proud University of Texas graduate who shares his passion with his wife and six siblings, all of whom went to University of Texas as well. John's a certified financial planner who spent over 30 years providing investment, insurance, retirement, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. John has served 14 years as a Dallas, Texas X's board member, and his love for UT is why he chose to dedicate his firm, serving his fellow University of Texas alumni and University of Texas employees. This is Halloween week. And while many of you fi may find dealing with your personal or business financial matters to be a haunting experience, Longhorn Wealth Management Group can take all the mystery and fear out of the process by helping you to truly understand, analyze, and select the right financial solutions for you, your family, and your business. So to treat yourself to a 90-minute free consultation, 
to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you develop and secure the financial future for you and your loved ones, give John Donovan and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. John holds the Chartered Retirement Planning Counselor designation. He earned his finance BBA from the prestigious McCombs Business Honors Program. Again, John Donovan, longhornwealth.net, 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net for all your needs. So we want to thank John for sponsoring each and every Monday right here on Coffee and Football. And uh, Jerry, one thing I meant to bring up at the beginning of the show is we should see a new set of rankings unveiled this week. And I wanted to talk about that. Uh, We've had a few questions about it. So let's just jump right into it. Kabir Hussein, uh, he says, do we have a path to the college football playoff if we went out and win the Big 12 and beat a one loss OU? Yeah, there's so much there's so much left to be played. There's obviously a path um, for Texas. Obviously, the first part is winning out. Um, but there is a path. Look, the, the Pac-12, the, the Washington win over Oregon's big. USC going in the tank certainly doesn't help with Washington coming to town this weekend for people wanting Washington to get knocked off. But Washington has some tough games out there. FSU and the ACC is the interesting one, right? I think North Carolina's kind of collapsed defensively here. Um, late. I mean, Georgia Tech's the last number 130 ranked offensive team, a def- offensive football team in the country just beat North Carolina, which come on, Matt. Um, but is somebody going to knock off? Somebody's going to have to knock off Washington or FSU for a scenario for Texas. Bottom line, I think, look, Georgia, if Alabama gets through LSU and Georgia beats a one loss Alabama team, obviously uh, that one's one spot's taken care of. I don't know what's going to happen with Michigan, guys. I mean, that's where it gets interesting for me is, you know, what's going to happen to this Michigan team? Could they could they run the table here and then, you know, hey, guys, nah, y'all aren't playing this year. Then what does that do? There could be something weird that shakes up this college football playoff that nobody thought was possible at the beginning of the year. I know everybody says, well, if, if the NCAA uh, – you know, were to take this eligibility away this season, postseason eligibility from Michigan. Michigan, they they can um, they have a ninety days to uh, I guess respond to that or something. But this is a different situation. I could see somebody coming out right now and just saying, "No, you're ineligible," or Michigan, remove yourself from the college football playoff. I could see a scenario playing out like that that we haven't really had before because I think this is uh, is leaning to that egregious. Um, just the more and more that's coming out about this. So that's the that's the that's the wrench in all this that you just don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, but Texas needs some help, bottom line. Even if they won out in their one loss team, they need either Washington or Navy Florida State to lose. Were you surprised before we move on to the next college football playoff question? Were you surprised that Michigan rescinded the extension to Harbaugh? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, you can't coach, you can't coach with a show cause. I, I, I mean, I'm just saying that that I, I, it's bad. Hey, by the way, if this wasn't, if people are thinking, oh, it's the NCAA won't do anything. This isn't, you know, NCAA is not going to act swiftly. This isn't really that bad. Connor Stallions was immediately removed, and now the contract extension's off the table from Harbaugh. If y'all, if people don't think this is really bad, I don't know what to tell them. It's really bad. 
Very bad. There ain't no doubt about it. All right, (laughs) Jerry, we got another college football playoff question from Joe. Why is the media entertaining the fact that Alabama can be ahead of Texas in the college football playoff despite Texas beating them head to head? Well, I don't know about this week, but if Alabama beats LSU at home this week, this Saturday, we'll see. I mean, they shouldn't be, but we'll see where it comes out. I mean, people might just be – now, look, Texas, I think, has – if Texas looks really good and beats Kansas State Saturday, I think that talk goes away. But I think I think that people are seeing a Texas team, an Alabama team that's gotten better, and people are questioning if the Texas team has uh, when they look at all the, this college football playoff. I think that's what we're talking about here, right? Uh, but the reality is if Alabama wins out to the SEC title game and Texas wins out to the Big 12 championship game, Alabama's got to beat Georgia. That's the reality. They're going to have to beat uh, probably an undefeated Georgia, although Georgia has a trip to Tennessee coming up. Uh, but a lot of it is just has Texas plateaued and is Alabama getting better in people's eyes? If Alabama rolls a good offensive LSU team and, and Texas wins but doesn't look great, then that talks is going to heat up even more. Okay, Jerry, this next question, we're going to go back to Texas now, uh, is a two-parter, so bear with me here. Grant says, Jaden Blue is averaging 5.8 yards per carry, Baxter 4.1. He believes Blue needs to be in the number two slot ahead of Baxter. But the question, it says, with Jay Blue averaging almost two yards per run better than Baxter, will we see more Blue? Um, no, because look, it's, this is comes down to a, a scheme thing. Texas wants to be a power run team. Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter fit that scheme really where really well. Jaden blue. I mean, look, he had the long run at the end of, uh, uh, at the end of the game against, uh, BYU there take away that run. What is that? What are those numbers? I mean, but now it's not, it's not that simple. Blue is in a inside zone scheme, that's just not really truly what he is as a back. He is a really good space player. If you get him to edge, the guy's got tremendous hands out of backfield, tremendous hands for running back out of the backfield. But for this Texas scheme, it's Jonathan Brooks and it's Cedric Baxter. You, could you see a change of pace more with a Keelan Robinson, more especially out of that triangle formation or Jaden Blue out of that triangle formation? Possibly. But the core run game of Texas – so much inside zone scheme, it's going to be Brooks and Baxter. And, and, and look, why? And, and if people wonder, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. Look at who Texas recruited in this class. They recruited Christian Clark and they recruited Jarrett Gibson. Look at the types of backs they are. They fit this scheme in the run game. And you're kind of talking about that diamond deal. The next question actually has to do with that. Helio Castillo, Castillo says, good morning, guys. Do you think we'll see more of Blue and K-Rob in those diamond formations to have more speed on the field, specifically to beat the 3-3-5? Um, yeah, look, I, I think it was funny that was introduced this week again. Uh, so I, I, I think we're going to start to see a little, maybe a little bit more of that situationally for sure. Um I I fail I just fail to believe Sark doesn't have a little bit of a plan here moving forward, um, especially with everything that's on the table offensively, especially as much as they're going to see that flyover defense coming up here the last uh, four weeks of the season. Uh, it will not surprise me if we don't see a couple, two or three more change of pace touches for Keelan or Jaden Blue moving forward. Okay, Jerry. Yeah, especially with a quarterback that's they don't want to put as much on his plate in the passing game as they do Quinn. Great point for sure. 
Uh, William Neese says, I agree with Jerry that Texas should be able to run it against Kansas State, but I expect them to load the box. How should the Texas receivers fare against Kansas State secondary? Look, I think Texas has a match. I, I, I think they like their matchups, wide receiver versus Kansas State secondary. And I'm not saying Kansas State isn't, doesn't have good players. I don't think they have quite what they had last year in the secondary. I thought they were really good in the secondary last year. Um, I think Texas, look, it was Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. Texas likes their matchup every game. They like those matchups against Alabama, game two, on the road. Um, so they like those matchups every game they get. And I think they like Jatavion Sanders down the field against Kansas State as well. The whole key there is I think Texas has to run the ball well enough and pass protect well enough so that Malik Murphy is going to be comfortable in that game uh, against Kansas State. It's his second game. I think he'll he'll look more comfortable in the pocket than he did his first game. But that means if you can give Malik time to really step into a throw, because he is a pocket guy, if, if they'll allow him that time and have a clean pocket where he can step into a throw, I think Kansas State's going to have to fight to take away the run. I think Texas will have some opportunities down the field. And then we'll follow it up with this question, Jerry, from Chris Young. Um, and he says, why couldn't Houston throw on Kansas State? Was it just the cold or something else? Well, I mean, Joseph Banjack, who was the leading receiver against Texas, was out that game. And he's the guy that they run a lot of their underneath, a lot of their crosser stuff with. He's a 6'3", 210-pound physical receiver. He was out that game. I think Houston was missing another wide out in that game. Um, but, look, I mean, Kansas State, I thought Kansas State matched up a lot better with Houston uh, defensively uh, because Houston can't line up and run the football on you. They can't just line up traditionally and run the football. That's not their strength as a team. Those are teams that Kansas State defensively can get after a little bit more. Um, and with that said, U of H still ran it for 5.1 yards per rush, even though they got blown out in that game. They still had over 100-yard rush, rushing, but U of H isn't the team that can just line up and say, all right, we're going to run it on you. We're going to run it on you with our multiple NFL backs and our 340-pound offensive line. They just don't have that personnel. Uh, they're pretty good in pass pro, especially on that left side with Patrick Paul. But U of H could not take advantage of Kansas State the way Oklahoma State could. Okay, Jerry, we got time for just a couple more questions right here on Coffee and Football presented by Longhorn Wealth Management Group. And this first one is from Joshua Dutton. He says, hey, Jerry, I live in the Florida Panhandle. Are there any recruits in my area to watch for? Um. I'd have to think about that. Nobody at Texas is offered. Uh, Niceville are, are, always has some athletes, though, man. But, uh, um, yeah, nobody that Texas is offered or after, to my knowledge. Uh, Pensacola, Pine Forest, they always have really good athletic teams over there. We've had, we used to have some guys in Under Armour camps from those schools. Uh, but, by the way, I hope you've been to Florabama for, to watch college football on a Saturday if you live in that area. Uh, that's, the, that's the most fun I've ever had while watching uh, college football. Uh, we got a couple of follow-up questions from the conversation we were having a second ago. Not political, just real. It says, Jerry, what do you think about Oregon? Who gets in? Is it us or them if we both finish with one loss and both avenge that one loss? Seems like it would favor Oregon since they beat more ranked opponents than we have. I, I think there's definitely an argument to be made there if, if in that scenario. I, Oregon is, you know, Oregon's really, like Texas kicks himself over the Oklahoma loss. Oregon really kicks himself over the Washington loss. I mean, they had more first downs, yards, boom, boom. But you just move all the way down the stat sheet, and there was nothing that says they should have lost the game except they did on the scoreboard. Um, so that was a really tough one. I think Oregon's playing at a really high level 
right now, I think they're going to absolutely blow the doors off of USC and was that November 11th. Um, so uh, USC's playing at, a, I mean, sorry, Oregon's playing at a really high level right now, uh, especially offensively. So I think there's an argument to be made there for the Ducks in that case, if that scenario plays out. But I still will say this. The issue for Oregon, if that scenario plays out, if Alabama keeps winning, um, if Texas comes back and wins a Big 12 championship game and has a win over Alabama, still could be tough for Oregon. Very true. And then Tyler Hastings says, do you think that Quinn being out will affect our college football playoff ranking Tuesday night? I don't think it'll affect it. I think the, you know, it's the way people are going to look at Texas. Are, are people saying has Texas plateaued? That, that, that could affect them a little bit, just the eyeball test. Um, or, or do they see other te teams that are ascending uh, more, more than Texas? I think that will affect Texas more than anything if something does. All right, Jerry, last question for today, and then we're going to draw the winner uh, for the autograph poster that we were supposed to do last Friday. And this is a loaded question. Emmanuel Villafranco, he says, do you think Texas will lose another game that they're supposed to win? Well, they're favored in every game the rest of the way out. So if they if they lose, technically they have. Um, I, here's, here's, where I, here's my thought on Texas right now. If they, if they win Saturday, I think they're going to win out. And I know they have two tough road games. I mean, I do think TC will be a tough road game. It's everybody's Super Bowl. Look at Houston. Um, I think if Texas passes this test Saturday, Malik gets a little more comfortable. Um, Texas can get Ethan Burt back, Catalan back, start to get be a healthier team the last three games of the season than they were the previous three games. I think Texas has a really good shot. If Texas will win the game against Kansas State the way they can win the football game, I think Texas stands a good chance because the reality is TCU's not a very good team, but they're going to play. It's going to be their Super Bowl um, against Texas. Iowa State is very good on defense, not good on offense, but it is up in Ames in mid-November. The weather could be a factor. Uh, Texas Tech is okay, but you don't know who's going to be at quarterback uh, by that time for them. Uh, but if Texas can get past this game and win it physically against the – I think the – Toughest test physically the rest of the way. Obviously, Alabama was a big physical test. This will be the second big physical test. If they can win this game physically, I think things set up very well for them the last three. I know I said that was the last one, but I'm going to put you on the spot real quick Good. before we get out of here. Ralph Neely says, do you think that we face Oklahoma in the title game? He personally has them losing another one. You know, I think if – if if Oklahoma gets by, if they win in Stillwater this weekend, and and unless they have some serious injury issues, I mean, I, I don't know if they lose again if they win in Stillwater this weekend. All right, Jerry. Well, it's time for us to announce the winner of the autograph poster. We hit 25,000 subscribers, so we want to thank everybody out there for tuning in each and every morning with us right here on Coffee and Football. We cannot thank you all enough for your support. And I uh, actually had, you know, I, I blamed it on my 11-year-old son on Friday, which was the truth. And so I let him pick the winner today, uh, and we, we did it randomly. And oddly enough, it's a longtime viewer of the show, a guy that's in here, it seems like, every day. So congratulations to Rob Emfield. You are the winner of the autographed Texas poster. 
if you will send me a message on Inside Texas or email me at blakemonroe at outlook.com, we will get that over to you. But congratulations, Rob, for winning that poster. And we'll have many more to come. And uh, Jerry, I'm going to, you got anything coming down the pipe later today over at Inside Texas that people need to be aware about? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually just posted uh, uh, before this uh, started, um, I posted uh, uh, Texas recruiting battles versus Florida and Auburn down the stretch, man. SEC recruiting's here. Texas is in some battles against Auburn and Florida. That's published on Inside Texas. We'll have uh, some recruiting news coming up here about 11 a.m. as well. Texas Hoops exhibition game tonight. We'll have a thread on that on Inside Texas. Games at Long Longhorn Network at 7 against St. Edwards where Rodney Terry played in college. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian takes the mic at 11. I'm 11.30. I'm very interested to see what he has to say about Jalen Catalan this week. Um, if there was a game they need Jalen Catalan to come play a few snaps, I think it's I think it's this Saturday against Kansas State if he's healthy enough. So I'm very interested to see what Sark has to say. Uh, obviously, questions will be more on the Quinn Malik side, but I'm just telling you guys, Jalen Catalan's health, uh, the ability to, ability to play this weekend, I think is huge because the last two last week teams could not, as Rod says, and I agree with him, they cannot put Jalen Ford in conflict. BYU did not have a run game threat at quarterback. Um, Jalen Ford had 11 tackles, a couple of QB pressures, played more of his traditional game. Kansas State's going to go right back to what Oklahoma did and U of H did. They're going to try to put uh, Jalen Ford in conflict because if you could put him in conflict, then you put a lot of pressure on the linebackers around him in coverage. Uh, so I'm very interested to see what Sark has to say. Uh, Texas fans, let's hope Jalen Catalan can give it a go Saturday. That's right. And then Bobby will be back here in just a little bit with lunch with the coach. Uh, and then he'll, of course, be back with us tomorrow morning as well. Um, but so be sure to stay tuned for that. And then, as Jerry said, head, head on over to Inside Texas and uh, get all the, the latest news and notes on team news and recruiting. So, well, Jerry, unless you have anything else, I think we're, we're getting out of here for the day. No, no, I, I'm good, guys. I mean, a huge week. I, I couldn't be more excited for this game this Saturday. I think it's a great test for both teams, and that's what makes college football. It's not just a great test for Texas. It's a great test for Kansas State, and this is where college football is so much fun to me. I think it's Fox Big, uh, you know, Big Noon Saturday is going to be there. Um, I think it's a huge, huge opportunity for both these programs, and that's why I love college football. All right. Well, for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we will see you tomorrow morning. Okay. <laughs>